Before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion really got my attention because it starts with the word see. Behold, look carefully. And why don't you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. We'll look at a few verses together. And I, I, I want to focus on a theme that could be called eyes that see and ears that hear. So let's, let's read. Starting in verse 26, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and the curse, if you don't listen to the commands of the Lord your God. And the rest of the Torah portion goes on to describe many commands in, in detail. But I want to focus on this idea that seeing is important. And hearing is important. Of course, this is connected to just having had eye surgery. And during my recovery, I was listening to um, some things that I might normally watch. I, I was looking at uh, some YouTubes and I couldn't actually look at them. So I learned to listen to YouTube videos, which is an interesting process, and to some other presentations. But in, in these two verses, in these three verses rather, there is a connection between seeing and hearing. And in fact, the prophets, the prophets of Israel often speak of that. They say, uh, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. And when, when this word see is being presented to us, it's sometimes translated in English as behold, which is like a, a word you probably don't use in everyday language. You know, like around the office, you probably wouldn't go into, you know, your boss's office and say, behold. <laughs> it's one of those words that uh, is no longer in favor, except in religious circles. So an another way of understanding C is this, consider or give attention to or take into consideration or take heed or perceive. And in common language, it's this, look. And it literally means this, focus your attention on this. And then it mixes faculties. It goes from see to listen. Isn't that interesting? In verse 26, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. And then 27, the blessing if you listen. Right, you would think it would be if you see this or you see that, but actually it's if you listen. And when it uses the word listen, it's, it's using the same um, root concept as the word in the Shema, which means listen. Listen, hear. But there's more to it than meets the eye, if you will, or the ear. 
This is talking about spiritual faculties, spiritual capabilities. We have eyes, physical eyes. Some of ours are working better, some not so good. We have spiritual ears, not just physical ears. Our physical ears, some of us used to hear better than we did, than we do now. What? But embedded in these three verses is an idea that should not escape our attention. We need to engage our spiritual faculties, our spiritual senses, not just our natural senses. When it talks about seeing and it talks about listening here, it's talking about taking something deep inside of yourself giving enough consideration to it, thinking about it, paying attention to it, making it important to you to grasp, to accurately perceive what it is that um, should get our attention. The idea is that all of Israel can learn to perceive things from the Lord. That's an amazing idea. If we reduce our Jewishness to Jewish culture or to what I like to call culinary Judaism or kitchen Judaism, you know, you eat this and you eat that. You have these foods for the holidays or we do this, we don't do that. If we reduce it to that kind of cultural um, structure, then we're missing the most important part, the foundation which Torah is speaking about. There is a God who created us who wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to connect to him. He wants us to use our capabilities to do that. All of our senses, both our natural and our corresponding spiritual senses. And we have to learn to do this. Even though we are born with the capability, we have to nurture that capability. If we don't nurture it, we end up with ears that hear but don't hear. Eyes that see but don't see. And if we overfocus on the details of the Torah portion that follow this and we miss this point, we'll miss the most important point. The Lord wants our attention. He wants us to learn to draw close to him. And for him, it's normal that we could see in a spiritual way. It's normal that we could hear in a spiritual way. And he wants to remind us how important it is to be normal. Not to be extraordinary, but to be normal. Now, I have some particular sensitivity about this because after my eye surgery, you know what I was hoping for? I just want to be normal. I want to get through the recovery and get back to normal. And in fact, it reminded me of this um, tension that we have in life. It, it's, it's shown when we think about uh, how parents feel about their children to be born. 
when, when a mom and dad find out, oh, we're going to have a baby, you know, there's this moment, there's this moment of awe and gratitude followed by concern. Just let her be normal. And the prayers are always, oh, if they would just be normal. As soon as they're born, normal is not enough. And that's when they wa- we want our children to be extraordinary and exceptional. And we look at this little one, you know, who's so cute and has so much potential, and we're imagining, you know, how they're going to change the world and the great things that they're going to do and what their career is going to be and so forth. And we have these great um, ideas until they get to be teenagers when we're just hoping they'll be normal again. (laughs) If only, if only... But when we're older and we're facing uh, sickness or we're dealing with injury or surgeries, our hope is to get back to normal. And we would be satisfied if only we were back to normal. In this passage from Torah, God is expressing to us an idea that he wants us to be exceptional by getting back to normal. What does it mean? It means get back to that place where we have spiritual faculties that are being developed, that are being acknowledged, and we learn how to use our spiritual eyes, we learn how to use our spiritual ears, and it doesn't mean that we give up on our intelligence. It doesn't mean that we give up on the scriptures and simply become like subjective, mystics, loosey-goosey people who are just blown in any direction according to what they think the Spirit is saying or doing. It doesn't mean that. It means we integrate all those capabilities and they start working together to help us function. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And soul. And mind. Yeah. And mind. Mm-hmm. You see, if God were calling us to uh, unintelligent faith, he would leave that part out about the mind. You know, don't use it. You don't need it. That's not true. We need our intelligence. We need our capabilities. Now, while I was recovering, I was listening to uh, a few Jewish believers who are scientists and got my attention. And when I say Jewish believer, what I mean there is this. People who were born into Jewish families and, and raised as Jews, but came to the the realization that Yeshua was in fact the Messiah and that the Bible, both the traditional Jewish Bible and the writings of the New Covenant were both true and that they fit together and that the the coming of Messiah Yeshua, including his death and his resurrection, are actually true. So I I was listening 
to some presentations. And one of the, one of the guys who got my attention, I, I, th I think I'll, I'll bring one day some video clips of his presentation, because you may find it interesting. We'll sort of mix it into some stuff that we're doing. But his name is uh, James Tour, T-O-U-R, and he is a, a PhD and professor of chemistry, professor of computer sciences, and professor of material sciences, and professor of nanoengineering. So uh, um, at Rice University, at the Smalley Institute for Nanoscale Science and Technology. <laughs> so he's a sharp guy, a sharp cookie. And he was making a presentation on nanotechnology and um, nano equipment. He was presenting to students and to other professionals in his field the advances that have been accomplished through his teams and through others and in the creation of nanomachines. And he was showing machines that have been created at the nano level. We'll get to that, what that level is in just a minute. But he was describing um, tractors that have been created at the nanotechnological level. And um, dump trucks that they've created at the uh, subatomic level and backhoes and front loaders. That's, that's the description. These are like so small atomic constructions that can be directed to go from here to there. They can turn, they can climb, they can carry things. They can carry, um, you know, micro components from here to there. And they create them by the gazillions when they create them, not by, you know, one at a time or anything. It was just so amazing. And he was presenting to other people in the field, which meant he was using words I did not understand. he was using ideas and references that were so far beyond anything that I really grasp. But I found it fascinating how far uh, technology has gone, especially this technology, which is relatively new. And I wanna connect the, the idea of nanotechnology to the, to the Torah portion, if I can. Uh, so I, I will get there. But uh, James Tour is a Jew who believes that Yeshua, Jesus, is in fact the Messiah. And that he was raised from the dead as well. And that he died as a sacrifice for us. And that he's Adonai. And that the scriptures are true. So it's, it's interesting. So he's not stupid. I mean, that's the first thing you have to grant him. Because he's one of the, he's listed as, one of the top 10 chemists in the world. And one of the 50 most influential scientists in the world. And he works at a level that's just unbelievable. So he's making this presentation to people in his field. And at a certain point, he says to all these people, now if you, if you want to know some more about me, I'll tell you about how I became a believer as a Jew. 
uh, and you can come, you know, at two o'clock to hear about that. And he was connecting his work as a scientist with his life as a Jewish man of faith who believes in the Messiah. Fascinating. Utterly intelligent. It would be scary to have a conversation with him, I think. Because he moves very fast in his communication. He's quite capable. And in, in giving this lecture on nanotechnology, he was talking about nanomachines that have been made in the laboratory that would have been possible not many years ago. So I looked up nanotechnology. I was telling Sandy a little bit about this, and she said, well, you know, in common language, what's nano? I know what small is, but how small? And so I, I looked into a government site on the internet about nanotechnology. Our government has <clears throat> published some things about this. And it says this, nanotechnology is the branch of technology that deals with dimensions and tolerances of less than 100 nanometers, especially the manipulation of individual atoms and molecules. And a nanometer is one billionth of a meter. So I said that to Sandy, she said, yeah, yeah, but like, I don't deal with meters, you know, in inches or something like that. You know, give me some idea. So I, I dug this up that a nanometer is a billionth of a meter or 10 to the minus ninth power of a meter. That didn't help either. Okay, so there are 25,400 nanometers or nanometers, I don't know how to pronounce it, in one inch, 25,000. A sheet of newspaper is about 100,000 nanometers thick. And they're working at tolerances from one to 100. Isn't that amazing? And then, I read this on a comparative scale, let's see if this works. If a marble, a little marble were a nanometer, then one meter would be the size of the Earth. That's the relative difference between them. And then it, this article went on and said, nanoscience and nanotechnology involve the ability to see and to control individual atoms and molecules. And it gave some history. The ideas and concepts behind nanoscience and nanotechnology started with a talk entitled, There's Plenty of Room at the Bottom, by physicist Richard Feynman, sounds a little Jewish, at the American Physical Society at Caltech on December 29, 1959, long before the term nanotechnology was used. In his talk, Feynman described a process in which scientists would one day be able to manipulate and control individual atoms and molecules. Now here was the only problem. No one could see individual atoms or molecules. It wasn't until 1981, with the development of the scanning tunneling microscope uh, that could see individual atoms, that modern nanotechnology began. So let me, let me connect this, if I can. And, and know this, nanotechnology is so far beyond me, and pretty much all I know, I've read to you. So if you know any more than that, you are doing much better than me. 
But the idea is this. There was a professor who had this idea that one day we would be able to manipulate atoms and molecules deliberately and perfectly one by one. The only problem was no one could see them. So they were invisible. And I'm sure that there have been times when scientists were talking about atoms and molecules and the scientific world said, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, prove it. And the proof is like secondary or mathematical or theoretical, but you can't get beyond that because no one can see it. But there are people, there are scientists who say, well, just because we can't see it now doesn't mean it's not there. Just because we don't have the tools to um, perceive what is there doesn't mean it's not there. We have to gain the capability. We have to develop it. And it doesn't happen instantaneously. It happens through a series of steps collaborations over a long period of time. Well, now we know that there are scanning microscopes and there are um, a variety of tools, the atomic force microscope, that enable scientists to actually perceive atoms and molecules and to see them adequately so that they can manipulate them and work with them. Well, James Torr was giving this presentation to people who already know all that. And they're already working in that field. And now he is saying, we are learning how to make machines at the nano level. And this is going to lead to something in the decades and centuries ahead that we could barely imagine. How we could fix things in the future at the atomic level and how we could produce uh, medical solutions at the nanoatomic level that are hard to imagine even now. But in order to do that, we need machines. We need, we need nano machines that can go from here to there when we say go from here to there, using light and other forces. We need to be able to carry one thing from here to there. We need to be able to dump it in a precise spot and connect it to just we, what we want to. And so in his presentation, he's saying, we've done it. We've gotten that far, and now we are systematically making these things, and it's gonna take us somewhere, so it's up to you to keep going. And it was a wonderful presentation. If I, wanted to, if I was a young student in science, I would think, wow, this is a great field to be in, great to learn about. But I was connecting all of this to the Torah portion. And, and I understood something, that just because you can't see something now doesn't mean it's not there. And just because something is invisible doesn't mean it will remain in that condition forever to all people. Do you, do you see that? And I'm talking about science here. Now, it's not just true about science, it's true about the spiritual world as well. 
and that there are faculties that need to be developed in order to perceive, to perceive things from God's point of view, to perceive by seeing, to perceive by hearing, and to perceive by understanding these things together. God wants us to develop that faculty, and it goes back thousands of years. He wanted all Jewish people to develop this capability. But the key is not just to be spiritual in a generic sense, but to be spiritual in a specific sense towards the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, not just any spiritual force, but this one, to learn his ways, to see what he sees and to hear what he hears, and then to, to take those perceptions and to apply them for good at every level of life, at the individual level, at the family level, at, at the level of, of society and in education, in science, in government, in every area, to apply what we learn about how God sees things and how God values things and how he takes a position on certain things, to apply that in order to take human society in the world forward in God's best direction. Now, some people think, oh, this is stupid, this is just vague, but it's not. And that's why I'm so fascinated with Jewish scientists who are also believers in Messiah. Do you see why? Because from an intellectual point of view, they're so high. They're not just mystics, they're something else. And they're not just people who say, well, that's just the way it is, you have to accept it. In fact, Tour was, he made a recording of one of his spiritual presentations. He was talking about a private conversation he had with another top scientist in the world who was asking him serious questions connecting faith and science. And they engaged so deeply, and, and Tour said, I guess this really shows I'm still Jewish, even though I believe in the Messiah. I still think like a Jew. You ask a question, I like good questions. And they take good answers. And so he talked about giving a good answer and how that led to another question, which led to more dialogue and so forth and how it went on for some time. And then he laughed and said, you know, maybe if I was a Baptist, I would have just said, well, that's the way it is. You just have to believe it. And I think he was just speaking in hyperbole, but he was, he was trying to make a point that as a scientist and as a Jewish believer and Messiah, as a man of faith, he sees how these things all integrate and work together, not how they go against each other. And so he applies um, himself in all those areas, and he... Uh, he shows something for us. He shows a pattern for us that one can retain one's Jewishness and believe in Messiah. It doesn't reduce your IQ to do that. One can develop spiritual perceptions 
and faculties. In the same way that one can develop um, nanotechnology and perception. And could you imagine if, if people just said to all these budding scientists, look, this is ridiculous. You can't see that small. No one ever has. You're just imagining. You can't prove anything because you can't show it to us. And what if all those scientists, those budding scientists said, yeah, this skepticism, it's too much for me. I give up. And what if the word atom and the word molecule didn't mean anything today because all those scientists had given up? <laughs> right? Can you imagine how that would have impaired the world? In the same way, when we give up on the idea of spiritual seeing and spiritual hearing, we actually impair ourselves. We not only impair ourselves, we impair the world. Because each of us has a part to contribute that can only be contributed if we do that part. And we build together one upon another's accomplishments and another's progress so that we can move forward. But if you were to ask Moses, if you were to have an audience with Moses and say, do you really think people can perceive the will of God? I don't think Moses would say, yeah, I, I don't know, it's a hard question. No, his answer would be, absolutely. What does it mean to be a Jew if it doesn't mean to follow in those footsteps and in that path? If we reduce it to culture or history, and not to eternity in the future, then we have lost something that is so important. It's not enough to simply develop our scientific knowledge and our rational knowledge and all of that if it's divorced and separated from our spiritual knowledge. It's not enough. It may be useful because someone can take some of it and then reintegrate it. But what does it mean to be a Jew? When I'm thinking about it, what does it mean to be a light to the world? It, it's not just that we have the best pastrami and corned beef. <laughs> Though it turns out that corned beef actually was a collaboration between Jews and the Irish that started in America, you know, with during times of poverty and the inability to afford good meat, and like, well, what do you do? And somehow the Jews and the Irish worked on this, and it spread at least back to Ireland, but also to Jewish places. But it's not about what you eat and what you drink. To be able to perceive the present reality of God in his presence and activity in the world requires spiritual faculties to be able to see and to hear and to work with what other people say is invisible or unknowable or cannot be perceived. So I was encouraged to listen to James Tour and his ideas, and, and I connected to Moses, but I connected also to what the prophets of Israel say. 
Isaiah 66, verse 1, heaven is my throne, says the Lord, and the earth is my footstool. Now, you know what that means? God is the God of heaven and earth. That's a radical spiritual idea. And then the Lord asked this question, what kind of house could you build for me? What sort of place could you devise for my rest? Didn't I make all of this myself? This is how it all came to be, says the Lord. And then the Lord laments, when I called, no one answered. Isn't that interesting? We tend to think of spiritual crying out as us to God. But we may not be aware that there's another kind of cry, which is God to us. And God says, I cried out to the earth, and no one answered me. And I spoke, and no one listened to me. And instead, they did what I thought was evil. And they chose what I knew wasn't good, and it didn't please me. That's the prophet Isaiah. Yeshua put it this way. In Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 15, he said, this people's heart, callous, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and then turn around and come to me, and I would heal them. And then Yeshua said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear, because I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 20, verse 12 says, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. And he wasn't just talking about physical, he was talking about spiritual. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21 says, listen to this right now, you naive people who don't have understanding, who have eyes but don't see and have ears and don't hear. You see, this has been a cry of the prophets of Israel. Do you know what God is wanting? He's wanting us to be normal. Do you know what normal is? Normal means we can see and hear, we can understand with our hearts, with our minds. We can perceive what is invisible and unknowable to other people, but is visible and understandable to anyone who follows the Lord, to anyone. The prophet of Israel, Joel, proclaimed that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and blood, on the young ones and the old ones, on the men and the women, on those who had legal rights and those who had none. And when Yeshua was about to return to heaven, he said to his disciples, I've got to go now. 
and I'm not leaving you like orphans. <coughs> I will return to heaven in order to send the Holy Spirit to all of you. You see, this was part of the progress that God was wanting to make on the face of the earth. And one of the reasons for that first generation of Jewish disciples of Yeshua is to be the beginning of the Israel that received the Holy Spirit in mass. Where it wasn't just the select few who received the Holy Spirit, but it became normative to receive the Holy Spirit. And that generation had a mandate to bring the good news to all the Jewish world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, but also to go into the whole world with this message of good news for the whole world, to go as Jews who believed in Messiah into the whole world and to make disciples. That's their mandate. That's our mandate. That's what we're called to do. And in order to recapture the sense of importance and scale, we have to assemble all these things together. We have to put them together and say, Oh, it's not in abandoning our Jewish intelligence and commitment to education. It's not in abandoning our Jewish way of learning and so forth. It's in integrating that with our spirituality. Not making, it subser not making our spirituality subservient, but equal to. And in some ways superior to all things. Because the fear of the Lord, as the scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. Without that, no one can truly attain to all that God has in mind for them. So this is what I've been ruminating on uh, when I couldn't see very well. And I could listen quite well. And I've been focusing on this and I'm thinking... There are Jewish believers in Yeshua who aren't famous, they're not well known, maybe they're not working in some of the areas that, that we're familiar with, but who are making great advances. And yet, they're integrating their faith in God, their knowledge of Messiah, with the work that they're doing in the fields of science, in the field of economics and the fields of the arts and so forth. And I think as a congregation, it's good for us to explore those things too, and to learn as well with them. So that's what, what I want to stir you up about. That's about as far as I can go, because that's about all I got. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being awesome. Thank you for coming down and just showing us who you are and what you're all about. Thank you for the scriptures, Lord, the, the living word of God. Thank you for Messiah Yeshua. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your prophetic word. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for the mishpocha, the family of God. Open our eyes 
that we could perceive what you see, that we could hear and understand. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So let's close with Aaron's blessings. Would you please rise? He did good, didn't he? Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisar Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom.